The 307 RPG Podcast is streamed live every Sunday morning on twitch.tv slash 307RPG at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. You can also find us at our website, 307RPG.com, on YouTube, and on most podcasting apps. Could you imagine if your, like, DM is like, okay, yeah, you guys all meet in the tavern, the party, introduce yourself, like... Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. I'm Zach. How we doing this week, guys? Anything fun and exciting? Oh, I have to say, before we go too far, I took your advice last week, Nolan, and I did purchase the definitive edition of Shadows of War. Oh, there you go. Did you play I it? played it? No. Yeah. <laughs> but I did purchase it. In fact, it was I noticed this morning, because I haven't even looked at my computer this week, it was sitting there on my desktop. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I did do that. So anyway, how are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. Anything fun Pretty and exciting nice. in your worlds? Zach, how about you? Anything cool, fun, exciting? You got to give you something here. Oh, I got to give you something. I decided to play all of Resident Evil again. So I'm just finished up Resident Evil 1 Remake, and I'm playing RE2 Remake right now. Nice. Because... Because it's Halloween and I wanted to spook myself. Fair enough. Fair enough. How about you, Nolan? I have uh, followed the masses and spent some time playing New World, which is Amazon's new MMO. Oh, yeah. The one where you can't swim. You just walk into the sea. Yeah. There's some interesting things about it. You're not allowed something along the lines that uh, you're on a boat heading to this place that has untold riches you have a linear, like, you have the compass that takes you through the path through the rocks to get there. Nobody ever goes there, comes back alive, except for this one guy who tells the tale, blah, blah, You land there, and the place is like, everybody's like, yeah, no, you you, you can't leave. Like, everything just brings you back. Um, and then the people who stay there, who have been there long enough, eventually go mad and turn into, like, little zombie creatures. And, like, uh, the world, or this island is corrupted, but... Other than that, it's a beautiful game. Uh, you literally kind of just start off as a uh, a shipwreck guy there on the rocks, and you grab some flint, and you knock down some trees, and you Minecraft yourself some weapons, and away you go. And Kind of a little survival, a little PvP. There's three factions, and you fight for the territory of the land, and little sediments of people who have been there for a while are uh, doing their thing and controlling the taxes and if you don't like the tax rate or what you're paying for crafting or anything like that, you uh, go to war with them and kill them and take over the land and set your own economy. And so far, it's pretty good, actually. Um, I haven't done a whole lot. I think of the 60 levels, I'm only like 21 or 22, um, but I've been roped into the crafting and gathering. I enjoy that quite a bit. You have one character with no classes. You set your attribute points based upon what you want to do. Um, the weapons have their own skills that gain levels as you use them. So every time I go hunting out, sometimes I've got a fire staff and a longbow, and next time I'll have a hammer and a great axe, and next time we'll be a healer and an ice gauntlet or whatever. So that's been kind of fun, and your uh, your weapons have their own talent trees and craft your own gear and a little bit of Minecraft, a little bit of RuneScape, uh, and a modern-day MMO, so it's... It's pretty solid. It, I mean, it's fun. It's fun to play and no monthly fee. Uh, I think it was 30, 40 bucks, something like that. So I feel like good value there. I'll be curious to see where they go with it. I know they're planning to add some new weapons and people are going through and uh, just slaughtering each other. Groups are forming for PVP loops where they just make a big old loop around the map and kill anything that moves and go back to town trying to stir the pot, see if we can get a war going. And it's pretty sweet. Cool. It is very much the uh, Pilgrim-esque style art. Uh, so you've got the, the swashbuckler's coat and the big flamboyant hat and rapiers and muskets. And then you can switch over to a little bit of magic. And so good theme. You're, you're good, uh, good era. And yeah, so far pretty good. Well, let's uh, go ahead and get started then. Um... So our topic this week is going to be on the latest UA from Wizards of the Coast, Travelers of the Multiverse. But of course, before we do that, we do have some news to cover. So let's get into the news. Dungeons and Dragons. It would appear that even Watsi, the publishing giant that they are, is not immune from the global shipping issues or publishing issues, I should say. 
Uh, this week, via Twitter, Watsy has announced that Fizzband's Treasure of Dragons will be delayed until October 26th, and Strixhaven, the Magic D&D crossover, will be delayed until December 7th. Watsy stated that they are having, quote, goblin-related issues, which I think is hilarious. They did say that all digital copies of the game or those books will also be pushed back. So that way, I'm sure it's to make sure that everything releases together. So, yeah, you know what? I mean, obviously, this isn't going to solve itself anytime soon. We're going to continue to have publishing and shipping issues for quite a while, but it is what it is. It's the world we live in, right? We did get a new UA this week, but we're going to be talking about that in just a little bit. WizKids has announced a new miniature for your D&D table, although you might need support structures for your table if you're going to use this thing. And you might also need a second mortgage to pay for this thing. <laughs> Coming to gaming tables in December 2022 is the Tarask. Is it Tarask or Tarascue? How do you say it? Anybody know for sure? I thought it was Tarask, but... I thought it was Tarask, so as it's go. a French word. Eh. Is Makes it a sense. French word? Yeah. What does it mean in French? Big ass monster? Uh, it was a monster in southern France. Oh, I didn't know that. See? Leave it to Zach cool. to educate us. This model will stand almost 11 inches tall and is 16 inches wide. That is freaking huge. And it also carries a huge price tag of $399.99. There you go. Not quite $400 until you pay tax. Yeah. All right, uh, so I have to ask, what do you guys think about this thing? Someone's going to buy it. Someone will indeed. Yeah, those things are... Uh, this, is I, a, this is our Critical Role 3 season finale monster right here. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you save it for the big last boss of the table that you know the combat's going to be uh, $400 worth of playtime, so maybe three or four sessions, right? <laughs> You're fighting the one thing, eating the world, so. Right. I, I guess. But, I mean, I mean, I know the Tarask or Tarask, or however you want to say it, was originally created like as a, like, I'm sick and tired of your bullshit kind of thing to the party. Here's a monster you can't fucking kill. Yeah, here comes the Tarask. Oh, look, total party kill. Oh, God, oops. Mm. Godzilla, right? So yeah, there you go. That yeah, is a I, big model. I, it looks cool. Yeah, I, I think so too. It's another one of those awkward ones of, do you get it because you're going to use it, or mostly just because it's a cool statue? Yeah, and and I know that. I mean, WizKids does an amazing job. Like I, I it'll think be a good product, to, right? I think back to when WizKids first started. I mean, we're talking like 20 years ago, right? Uh, when WizKids was first getting started with like hero clicks and things like that, I think they did hero clicks anyway. And I just remember the paint job wasn't that good. Like you would look at it and you could tell that it was just went through a machine and, and whatever. They have got these models where they look really good. I mean, when you look at this picture, this model, because I'm sure I'm sure this is what it's going to look like. It looks fantastic. I mean, the paint looks good. There's great detail. There's great shadowing. It looks really, I mean, even the eye base marine uh -huh. where it's like this big uh, and you need like a magnifying glass or a microscope just to paint the damn thing. This looks slick. Anyway, I, it won't uh, be at my table. <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah. it's worth $400, but I think it's cool to see. Well, I think it's a tough thing to, again, you look at like the Tiamat statue, equally as big, equally as impressive, also $400, but Tiamat can show up several times and as an intelligent creature that can haunt you and like you just be like okay and you put it out and it's like you know those kind of things where i feel like you could get Tarisk is like a big end fight and once it's done it's done or you're dead and then it just kind of goes on the shelf uh, so i feel like again if you're going to spend the money on something I, I want to have some replay or reuse value Tiamat hunting you, tracking you, showing up, giving speeches to her, you know, followers, those kind of things. I feel like at least you get to touch it more than the one fight you have with it and forever let it go to the dusty plains of shelf land. So, so is this a $400 dust collector? I, I just don't know what else. I mean, again, I don't know enough about the creature to say that it, like it wakes up, it eats everything, it goes to sleep. It's a giant cow with, you know, I mean, it, it, it doesn't care about us. We are there. So I, I like a, I don't know, with an intelligent, big, bad, evil guy, it can pop up more. It can hunt you. It can, you know, you can use it more, I think, or I feel, and I could be completely wrong in how I'm supposed to play this creature, but it 
my understanding is you see one and it's over. So yeah, it's usually like maybe, over for you. Yeah. I feel yeah. like maybe you could actually, you could do, I think you could use it, but you'd have to make the whole campaign be about it. Like I'd like said it like, Hey, the Tarask shows up in the city that you're in somewhere in the South and it's going to move its way North and destroy every city that it comes across. Right. And someone's got to try and find a way to stop it. And that somebody is you players. Yeah. And, and it then, could like, be an maybe they ongoing could, like, okay, siege, right? You fall back, retreat. Yeah. But like, okay, let's go to the next city and let's see if we can like try and stop it. And then you pull out the mini and it just stomps you. And it's like, okay, we barely survived. We lost two party members. We got to get to the next city and like try again. I think you'd have to really sell it to your players. I think you could do something yeah. like that. Yeah. You'd have to be like, hey, man, like. Way. This whole campaign is just fighting the Tarrasque again and again and again until you figure out a way to beat it Dark Souls style. And then once it dies, it's resurrected and you put like some gray on it and it's the zombie Tarrasque. Yeah, exactly. And everything that worked before where you just fly above it and drop acid splash on it. It's now immune. It's now immune, yeah. But uh, (laughs) tape a giant sword in its mouth. Now it's got reach. Jesus. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to buy it. No, me neither. <laughs> so that is all I saw for D&D this week. Did you guys see anything else before we move on? Um, I did see late last night oh. that Amazon, being the great spoilers that they are, said that uh, the March book will be on pre-order. Um, it is the black cover with nothing on it yet, but it says this product will be made known October 12th. So apparently oh, we so- will get an idea. I imagine if it was Mornkainen's or Mornkainen's multiverse thing, they would have just said it last time that this is going to be out. So I'm guessing this will give us a uh, an idea of where we're going or what's coming next. And again, I think it ties into the UA as well. But uh, October 12th, Amazon is supposed to have that pre-order for their March book. Well, I'm sure we'll hear all about that because that'll be Tuesday. So we'll be talking about that next week. Very cool. I did not see that. All right, let's so let's jump over to Critical Role. Uh, you guys had a pretty healthy discussion this week about Critical Role, and I just stayed out of it and let you guys talk. And a large part was because of what was just announced. The Legend of Vox Machina, the animated series, has a premiere date. This animated rendering of the most popular D&D stream is set to launch on Amazon Prime on February 4th, 22nd. 2022 22nd what the hell this was of course largely financed through a massively successful kickstarter campaign what they end up with like 13 million or some shit i don't remember what it, it was big or 31 million i don't know it was huge something i think at one time it was the largest non-cryptocurrency based Kickstarter of all time. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. Amazon Prime has released the title sequence, which looks I mean, it looks fucking good. Did you guys watch it? Yeah, it does look good. I'm pretty well animated. I'm watching this going, okay, this is a show I'm more than well, there's no more than likely I will be watching this show. I'm going to be checking this one out. The cast of Critical Role did perform a live read at New York City's Comic Con. And well, I'm telling you guys, I can't wait. Did you guys watch this video? I didn't. I did. And it. I'm very happy. It is really good. So I do have both videos in the show notes if people want to check that out. But I want to turn this over to the two of you, because, again, you guys had a really in-depth discussion about a critical role this week. And I want to I'm hoping that you guys can vocalize some of your thoughts on what you guys were talking about. So we're going to start this. uh, We'll throw it to you first, Zach, because I think you kind of kicked off that discussion. All right. Well, I'll I'll have to start by talking about Twitch. So in, in case no one has heard, Twitch's entire code got leaked. All of it. like it. At some point in time, <laughs> Twitch just became open sourced by force. Like if you wanted to, you could have hit copy paste and just made a new Twitch thing. And the thing is that it released everything. Everything is out there. And so if you have enough time to go and filter through it, you can figure out a lot of stuff about Twitch. And the big the biggest reveal, at least I thought, was that of everyone that Twitch pays to stay on their platform. They pay critical role the most. Like over two years, it was $9.6 million. Holy shit. And that's just money that Twitch is giving them. And we don't really know the reason why, but I assume it's so they'll stay. 
Well, and, and that's, um, I mean, that's, I think their average viewers uh, ranks around, uh, well, there's statistics like 40,000. Their yeah. followers are somewhere just behind 1 million. Uh, they're mm-hmm. somewhere around 26 million total plays. Uh, so their sub count is 10,000 plus. Uh, it, so, I, as of again, Tuesday, if, it was like 13,000. So 13,000 people paying five bucks a month, whatever their mm-hmm. portion is, probably half. It's, yeah, Twitch, the standard agreement is that Twitch gets half of the subscription. So if, here's and the thing. Each, if, each person if, works out their own thing. Yeah, if each, assuming it was the standard thing, and they stayed at 13,000 subscribers, they'd make $400,000 a year. But... Right now, I know that they are in between campaigns, and they have said that in between campaigns, their subscription count plummets. So these are the thirteen thousand people who have still who have subscribed for multiple months, and the new campaign is going to come up, and that's going to jump up even higher. And and I think the reason that Nolan and I started to discuss it is that. I think Critical Role has been portrayed, maybe not even by themselves, but they've been portrayed still as like seven friends around a table just streaming their uh, D&D game. They all just happen to be professional actors. But, you know, it's still just like a bunch of people around a table. And it's like, that is not true anymore. And I don't... And in Critical Role's fairness, I don't think they pretend that they're seven friends around a table. And I think they did during season one because, I mean, they didn't know where it was going to go. And I think now they know that this is a business. And mm-hmm. like when they sit down to role play, yeah, I mean, it's one thing that when they sit down to role play, obviously they're going to be incredible, right? Because they are voice actors and such. And they do. I mean, they have that chemistry of a group that's played together for a long time. And but it, it takes it to a different level when you sit down and it's like, OK, we're not just friends playing at a table. We have to take our characters and be at this level all the time because now this is a show and we are performers that are playing D&D. And I think they acknowledge that. I think they're very clear about that. And they but it's I mean, no, I, I think I do as well. And also voice actors are not paid as much as you would kind of think they are. Right. They get no royalties from the character that they portray. That was a right. big problem when they tried to strike a little bit ago and it didn't get resolved. I, well, I, I, think, I, I was going to say with their, with their perception too, of what they, what they started as was exactly that, right? They were like, oh, I can't believe you guys want to watch what we're doing. Like that was, that was their things like, I, you know, we get to do this and you guys get to come on for the ride. And it's so weird and it's so new. And so I think seeing the, the local, we've watched them grow into a business. And so people, I think who have been, you know, from not necessarily from the start, but we remember when they were like, you know, their sets are amazing now, but we remember when it started and the audio was bad and they're hugging each other to fit in around a screen and they're rolling in the TV lab. So Ashley can be there. You know, it looks like you're watching a video for, you know, substitute teacher day, uh, you know, compared to what they've got now. Uh, and so I think seeing it become what it is, if I start watching today, I'm, you know, it's one of those things of like, oh yeah, okay. But if you were there from the start, you still have that connection of like, I've been here since the beginning. I watched my baby grow up. Like, I'm so proud of what they are. They're just seven friends around the table. And and I think when you look at, I don't know, their last thing, uh, Alexandria Unlimited, where they had the new DM and uh, they brought oh, in yeah. a couple other players who are very good voice actors. Um, I can't remember her name. I apologize for that one there. But she uh, she does... Uh, she was She-Ra, um, and she's done a bunch of other stuff as well. But she came in, and people hated her character. And, and, and in turn, uh, I think she played a warlock who was hungry for power, who was a little bit crazy or whatever, and in turn ended up disliking her very much. Um, and so after everything was over, she went on a Twitter rant talking about not, – not a rant, rant, like too long to tweet type situation where she was just tweeting. She goes, I came into this as an actor sitting down at a table playing a character. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, man, she must be a bitch in real life because look at how this character, like we all bring a little bit of ourselves to the table. She was like, I didn't bring any of myself to the table. I came to this thinking it was a, a job and I'm playing a character. So I played the, like, I don't believe that. Like, please stop sending me hate mail and like all this stuff here. She's like, I didn't realize that this is what people did. I'd never played D and D before. Um, and so when you have that kind of attention of where real actors now are sitting down at the table playing a character, and again, the fan base just really hated her because they're like, 
man, she must just be a horrible person in real life because I look at like, I can't sit down at a table and just turn off Nolan and, and be not Nolan at the table. A little piece of me comes forward. And we see that with most of the critical role characters as well, where she sat down as an actor and was just like, oh, it was, it was a job for me it? to play this character. I had fun being that character, but it's not, it's not, you know, that's not me. Like, I don't think that, like, I would never like shove a friend off a cliff for more power. Like, are you crazy? Like, you know, and she's just the nicest, sweetest, funnest person. And so she said, like, if I, I played that. it again, I would do it completely different because I didn't realize I was supposed to bring myself. I didn't realize I was playing, you know, me cranked up to 11 being what I want to be. And so seeing that kind of stuff. And then again, the, f- the player base again, or the fan base being very much of, well, no, this is this is not how you play D and D. You know, just like we talk yeah. about all the weird things that people bring in. Of, like we were talking last week of like the loudest usually are the ones that complain the most. You know, the the person with the biggest neck beard is the gatekeeper. Uh, <laughs> that those kind of things. Like again, continue to see this outside impression of no, those are our babies. And it's like they're very much along the lines of like no, we stepped away from critical or geek and sundry so we could do this. We did the Kickstarter so we didn't have to go get corporate i mean look at look at the dc universe and warner brothers right look at the the director's cut versus what actually goes out they saw that and said we're not going to do that we're going to crowdsource this so we can do it our way and if you get a chance watch the youtube uh thing of their their live read don't do it with your kids don't do it with your kids i was like oh guys look at i like these guys play or whatever and like they're like what's wrong with this fucking guy and oh my god i'm so fucking drunk and like oh cut his fucking head off And, and i was just like oh Okay. It is so good. I'm in. I'm in. Guys, you can't watch this anymore. But they did it their way. And again, it's just one of those things of we've watched them grow up, but I don't feel like they've changed. I feel like they've been honest, but I think the people around them do have to take a look at it and see. And again, if you look at it and you say they made $9 million, it is not seven friends around the table. Um, It's not a lyric or a co-carnage or a ninja sitting there in the lights us doing this here making nine million dollars it's seven friends sitting at a table with a production crew with people helping with miniatures with uh possibly writers helping matt you know put together the story you know i mean if you think about that how many actual people work on that they treat it like a production they people like a production so i would rather be the uh, lyric making five million dollars than the critical role splitting you know 200 grand (laughs) so so i but yeah their salaries are their salaries are public that's the thing sure. is that you can like LinkedIn can tell you how much everyone is making and the highest paid individuals who we don't know who they are made a hundred thousand dollars last year. And that was 1% of a 30 to 40 person company. So like, that's probably Matt. Matt Mercer probably does the most work and probably is getting paid the most. And out of, five to ten million dollars they made last year he got a hundred thousand right yeah so from my understanding I, they, they are good people they take care of the people around them and so i again i don't know i yeah i i, I am one of those people that's probably jaded where I, I like them as people um i enjoy meeting you know getting to meet them and get a picture and i remember even then talking to shereen she's like Dude, uh, Travis Wilhelm makes like 34 million. I didn't need to give him 20 bucks for a selfie. He's good. Like, you know what I mean? But there was just like that perception type thing, you know, too, of like, oh, I guess, you know, again, I had not that like, yeah, these people are all multimillionaires because they're really good at their day job. They don't need to do this. And so I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting when numbers get out. But I do think people, uh, I don't know if people talk about money just in general because it's kind of taboo, which again, I think if more people talked about money, they'd be like, hey, why are you getting paid more? Exactly. You know, it's probably it's probably a good thing that way too. So, but it's very interesting. I mean, it's a lot of money to play D anD. I wouldn't complain. But I I do want to throw in real quick. uh, You mentioned the actress who played Shira. That is Amy Carrero. Yes, and she played Opal in the Exandria Unlimited series. She was actually supposed to be a guest player during Campaign Two, but because of COVID and her schedule, she was unable to do that. So she did play in all eight episodes of the Exandria Unlimited miniseries. And if you get a chance, that is a really good miniseries. It's interesting to see Matt play just from a standpoint of I found myself watching Matt as a player sit there and like in the scene, two people would be talking back and forth and you would just see him like sitting there eating an apple in fake apple. And it's just like, (laughs) 
Like he's just <laughs> in character the whole time. It's fantastic. So it, it is fun. Uh, they do well, a good job that, with it. It is absolutely. different, but that's the that's the tendrils going off, right? That's somebody right. else coming in and, and telling a tale. And and she does a good job. She's all about the story. She's not about the rules. She's about telling a good tale. And she's a funny DM and she's uh, snarky. And it would remind me if probably Cherie was a DM of like, you know what? I'm good with it. Or no, you know, you know what? I think you've done enough. It's somebody else to start. Like she just is very controlling the situation. Abrea, Abrea is her name. And she did a fantastic job as well. So Abrea Leingar. I, I don't know how to say her last name. Yeah. And I apologize for butchering that. She's she's she did a great job. It was a, it was a different take. So if you're not if you're tired of Critical Role, this Tales of Alexandria was uh, or Alexandria Unlimited was very good as well. Just very as a nice cool. break. Yeah, uh, stopped watching a long time ago, but I might try that one. It's good. Eight parts, super super bite sized and crunchy. Um, and again, some of that stuff too. Uh, they did do a state of the role. They did announce season three. They also said they will continue to record because it works with everybody's situation. Um, and that they will Probably be taking idea. a week off a month to do something else. And also kind of that same thing. Uh, if you get behind your 150 episodes behind real quick. And so they wanted people to be able to digest a little more. Here's a catch up. Week. Oh, that makes sense. And that gives them a chance to either tell new tales, have different DMS. So they're going to take one week off and do a fun week type situation where it's like, you don't want, we're not interested in us playing star Trek this week. Get caught up on the episodes. We'll be back next week. So they are making those things where they're listening to people as well. So. I think. I think the big thing about this reveal though, about how much money they actually are making is that I do think there's a lot of people with like a parasocial relationship who have invested themselves in seven friends around a table. And you can see like there are some hot takes on the internet right now, as there always yeah. are. Everyone on the internet, is like, don't take anything anyone says on the internet seriously. But like, I, and I think there's a thing where like, the way that I, I, I told Nolan and Patrick this is that, it costs between a hundred thousand and five hundred thousand dollars to produce a single episode of reality TV. So if it's unless you're like Survivor, where it costs two million dollars, but for The Bachelor, five hundred thousand dollars. Twitch has paid them to produce twenty episodes of reality television over two years, or they've paid them to make ninety episodes of like a less expensive reality TV show. And I mean, how many episodes have they done? I tried to Google it, but I mean, it's a lot. And there are what four hour sittings as well. Right. I mean, it's a yeah, lot. Of both, both campaigns went over a hundred episodes, right? Yeah. I mean, they've like, that's how, and it's been, and they were doing that before Twitch was getting, was paying them to stay on, you know, I, and go ahead. Sir. No, you're, I was just going to say, I, I don't, I like I know Shreel get mad about like the Kickstarter and stuff like that. And and even I was like, no, I'm not gonna back the Kickstarter. And and part of me was like, I'm not gonna back the Kickstarter because there's no reason for me to back the Kickstarter, number one, because well, it was already funded. And number two, it just I don't know. It it wasn't something that I felt like I was gonna invest money into. That being said, I think what Critical Role has done is phenomenal. And I think they're entitled to maybe I shouldn't use the entitlement word here, but they've earned everything that they've got. Right. Yeah. I mean, they did not start out saying we're going to do this and this is going to be a business and we are going to make a shit ton of money. Geek and Sundry was like, and it's like through Felicia Day and, 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 and the others at Geek and Sundry, like, you know, what, guys, you should just stream it. It'd be fun to watch. And and they've, yeah. they've grown and good on good for them to have the business acumen to say, this is something big and we should take this and we should take it for all it's worth. I mean, they're getting royalties off of books. They're getting royalties off of miniatures. They're getting royalties off of, you know, merchandise sale in general. And I think yeah. it's freaking awesome that they took the initiative, the entrepreneurship to say, this is a business. Let's make it a business and still keep that feeling. And this is why I think people get upset of seven friends playing around the table, because when we sit down to watch it, Although the production quality is amazing, the sound quality is amazing, we still see our friends. We still see, and I say our because you've grown, like Nolan said, we've grown with them. 
we still that's... see those same people playing. And then I think that's where we get misconstrued. Fuck them. If they don't like the fact that people are, that these guys are making this kind of money, fuck them. They've earned it. I, yeah. Like people, people are allowed to make money. Yep. Like we can, we can have a conversation about whether or not like money and capital is necessary for like a society. That's a different conversation. Like we live in a society where people use money. They're allowed to make it. Like they're, they're not hurting anyone. They're not exploiting no. anyone. I hope. I hope there aren't interns getting paid eighteen thousand dollars to live in San Bernardino, California. But it's almost as bad here, as living in Sheridan, Wyoming. Well, I know. And, and, and again, I think the thing about it too is we've you don't you don't I don't know. Here, here's my thing. It's, it and seems it, authentic. They seem to care about the product. They seem to care about the people. They put stuff out. They interact with the community. Anytime they've They've we've seen them awkwardly cross lines that would happen at our table, but they happen to be on public. And so now they have to be more sensitive to it to try and correct those kind of things. Like, again, I, you know, they're still they out had, there. They're going to cons. They're trying to be out for the public. Everything, everything about them seems genuine and grateful and still shocked that people want to be along for the ride. And again, like you said, you hope that's not an act. I don't think you can fake that, um, you know you see celebrities that are super wealthy that never leave the light of day that are above everybody that, you know, that kind of stuff there. So again, they, I think they're still just good people that happen to have worked hard and gotten lucky and continue to just be themselves. And, and I think that is, and I don't say getting lucky as far as whatever it's, it was no, perfect it, timing. It, I mean, most, a, most success has, you know, 80% luck. Everybody has a great idea. 20% yeah, get lucky enough to catch fire. And that's where I mean yeah. the luck thing. That It's yeah, not from it, anything That's like just that. an aspect of, of life. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can work as hard as, as you possibly can. But no, like, if a scout never comes to see you play ball, yep. you know, like, it's just, it can just be bad luck. So. My, I, here's, here's my thing about this is that I've seen some hot takes on the internet. Um, my favorite is that as that they, we need to stop talking about them as seven friends around a table and talk about them like they're a TV show. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. And someone's like, and that means that like <laughs> this individual wanted to have a discussion about diversity around the table. And it was a, it was a very hot take. And this person is almost certainly an outlier where it's like, what do you want? What do you want them to do? Fire Ashley Johnson and Travis Willingham so we can have more. Like, they're doing their best. Like, they started this a long time ago. And I think that's a hot take because these are the owners of the show. And, and, and it, that was a spicy take by an individual that I don't necessarily think was behaving in good faith. But they do have a point. Well, that and this I, is a television show now. And at what point, like, are we supposed to keep talking about them? like it's a home show and that it doesn't matter if the writing is bad or if the acting is bad because it's just seven friends around a tele seven friends around a table right like when the arrow television show or game of thrones has a really bad season people talk about it like it's like a failure of craft well, and I think the last season of Game of Thrones can be like some people thought it was poorly written. They didn't. They think it was poorly acted and it was poorly produced. Is it fair to talk about critical role in the same way? I, 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 I will I say I think watching, people do. I stopped watching right at the Thordak fight. Because and I just didn't get back into it. But the thing that struck me is that it was like. 20 seconds of the players doing something. And then Matt had to play by himself because they brought a bunch of allies to help them in the fight. I think it was still a cool fight, but like, is it still fair to criticize that when like they're seven friends around a table? What if they're not seven friends around a table? What if they're a TV show? Do we still get to like, can we still look at that with a critical eye? 
like a media criticism eye. But you know, at the end of the day, they're still playing Dungeons and Dragons. They're not, and they haven't, I mean, they have not, I think if you were to make it a TV show, I think back to Will Wheaton's tabletop show, which I absolutely loved. But then you had outtakes where like, they were going to talk to people while they're playing the game. You know, people were doing voiceovers and stuff like that. We still continue to see them play the game. And let's face it, there have been times, you both know this, where you bring allies to a fight, and number one, either I forget that you brought the allies, which is what happens yeah, the most yeah i take three turns of combat playing your guys as allies while you guys sit there and wait and, and that's it, the reality of the game yeah exactly and i don't yeah. think it's fair for anybody to expect them to morph the game because they're now a tv show i think they need to continue to stick to what it is which is a role-playing game and it's people playing the game and speaking to the diversity thing I don't know. Erica Ishi is in the, you know, smack dab in the middle of the 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 uh, the read through at, at New York City Comic Cons. They've brought in a ton of different people like B. Dave Walters has played on the show. They have had all sorts of people just because people. Now, are- this this was a I, hot I take by an individual, I, I and I and guarantee just, you that he was not acting in good faith. And I get irritated with that because. They were they they started this way. It just it didn't happen that they had other people who diversified their group to play with. And I think they've done a great job of bringing in people to help diversify the group and 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 make a statement on on I, on on the whole thing. I don't know. I'm rambling. Go ahead, Nolan. Well, no, I I will say the one thing that I about any of those kind of comments. I think if you if you do look at the guests and stuff like that, I've never. I don't know. And maybe it's because I'm, you know, the evil white male in middle America. I've never felt like any of their guests didn't belong at the table. Like they bring in these people. And and now after this comment, I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't think it even been brought in for race or color or sexual preference. Like I feel like they just bring in people in the industry that they would like. And it is very, again, along the lines of organically good people don't think that way because they don't think that way. Like, hey, we need to get this guy in because he's colored like or we could really use an asian at the table to show that we care like you know it's never felt that way it's never come across that way they bring in people that are voice actors that do stuff um that the the guy who does uh cyborg and is uh the king from walking dead played a blind cleric i absolutely loved him on the show and And i didn't ever think about him I didn't and I didn't want to sidetrack this conversation because, again, I was bringing that up that this is a hot take by an individual acting in bad faith. Yep. Because I I have looked like I guarantee you that this guy, what he actually wanted was 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 looks on his Twitter. Well, and I think that the but the the real thing is to judge them anyway. Yeah. I mean, people hate Marisha Ray's Keyleth like evilly so like she's oh i if you brought i I do remember that like you know what i mean like so again then it is one of those things of like yeah she did some dumb stuff or you but think about the times we've done dumb stuff at the table you know what i mean like when also did did marisha ray do dumb stuff or did her character keila do dumb stuff and people cannot separate the two because they are invested in a parasocial relationship right with the cast Okay, we've spent a lot of time on this and we're getting to the point where we don't have a lot of time for our topic. So we're going to go ahead and move ahead to uh, other things in the news so we can jump into our topic. And I I was worried about this one. No, I think it's good, though. I think it is, uh, again, as a conversation piece, I I don't envy them. And I think that you see that with a lot of people that Mm -hmm. do something they really enjoy and become successful. Yep. And all of a sudden it's like, I just want to do this and have fun. Why are you making it weird? Stop making it weird. And again, if you're a D&D player and you watch how they play and you don't like it, you turn it off because they don't follow the rules. If you're a so-and-so whatever warrior and you watch their show and you don't like it because there's not, then turn it off and don't watch the show. The people enjoy it. Again, as a D&D person, it really is hard for me to watch some of the stuff because they forget rules. And I'm that guy at the table. I remember the role like, oh, don't forget this because I'm trying to help people. I have to turn that part of the brain off and I do have to sit there and be like, this is just fun. And I'm enjoying you seeing think what happens. You'd be good at that as many rules as I forget. Well, and again, I think it's just one of those things that you want to help people do stuff. And we play with a lot of new players. There's something to be said about just shut up, sit back and watch what happens. Cause that's equally as fun. And I think also, that happens you, for them. If you have a Twitch account, you need to change your password. 
Because someone <laughs> so, has it right. Someone has oh, it shit, right yeah, now. Point. We will do that after the show. Yep. Someone okay. has it right now. All right. So let's jump over to Onyx Path real quick. Uh, we got a couple things to cover before we jump into our topic. And I'm really concerned about time now, guys. So good job. <laughs> so Onyx Path, the crew at Onyx Path participated in an online convention this weekend, which unfortunately I missed. Uh, the convention was called Online Save Against Fear and was hosted well, i typed hoisted that's interesting primarily by the borhasa i'm not even sure how to say that group's twitch channel i know there was uh like a what's up with onyx path panel as well as some actual plays i didn't get to watch any of it which i'm kind of bummed about because i completely forgot about it i assume that this came out of this um i saw on matthew dawkins facebook page a post about mystery science theater 3000 um kind of teaming with onyx path to do some stuff I assume this is just an assumption that they're going to be doing work with the uh, they came from series of games because it just falls right in line with Mystery Science Theater. I hope that's what it is, because that sounds amazing. Uh, remember that there is the Kickstarter for Apocalyptic Records still going uh, strong. They're still knocking down stretch goals. So if you're a fan of Werewolf 20th Anniversary Edition, be sure to check that out. Segue real quick. I went to the Carriage House Theater this past Friday, did a little date with my wife and we watched house on the haunted hill the carriage house theater is is uh, streaming screening i should say classic horror films throughout the month of october and they had a uh, betty boops halloween party uh, as the i don't know it's like a seven minute short and then the, the movie and i'm telling you as i'm watching this movie it just screamed mystery science theater 3000 because we're making comments throughout the whole film uh, there's only six of us in there and it also made me really want to play that they came from the series because you're watching this and you're going oh my gosh this would be so fun also whoever wrote the betty boop halloween uh party short i'm pretty sure was on every drug possible Go back and watch that and you'll see my point. By Night Studios. You guys didn't get this in the show notes because I forgot about it and had to add it later. Uh, By Night Studios, who is a current license holder for the Mind's Eye Theater, the World of Darkness live action role playing, recently launched a Kickstarter for their newest book, Vampire the Masquerade War of Ages. I know we don't talk a whole lot about LARPing on this show, Um uh, but I thought this was a good one to kind of showcase. Part of that is because Shree and I, my wife, we used to run a, a rather large, successful LARP in Fairbanks, Alaska a long time ago. Um, and it was all Vampire the Masquerade. This, the, this, uh, sorry, a little bit about this book. Mind's Eye Theater Vampire the Masquerade War of Ages is a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition live action setting book that includes for the first time a focus on collaborative live action role playing and features the writing of Finnish novelist and game designer Juana Peterson. I'm probably saying that name incorrectly of the award of the award nominated Vampire the Masquerade Nordic LARP style or Nordic style LARP end of line, as well as the Vampire the Masquerade Anarch V5 book. The Kickstarter currently has 25 days to go, is doing wonderfully. Their initial goal was like $40,000, and they're sitting at just under $80,000. If you're a fan of LARPing and Vampire the Masquerade, you should check this one out. Uh, side note, Patrick did back this one. Uh, just real quick, By Night Studios is, is I just pulled this from their website real quick, uh, proud to be the official licensed publisher for Mind's Eye Products of White Wolf's World of Darkness setting. They're a Florida-based company with a mission to usher in a renaissance of the World of Darkness Mind's Eye Theater experience. Their team consists of longtime fans of World of Darkness, enthusiastic advocates of live-action games. They include game industry professionals who have been involved in the creation of World of Darkness uh, products and Mind's Eye Theater events. World of, our White Wolf's Mind's Eye Theater debuted in 1993, helping to usher in an entirely new era of immersive interactive entertainment and adding a vibrant interactive dimension of role-playing game hobby. I will tell you, as someone who has done a lot of LARPing with Vampire the Masquerade, some of my absolute best role-playing experiences have come from LARPing. We had an absolute blast, and the game would last, I think, five hours, like on a, on a Friday night, and it was amazing. And then afterwards, everybody went to like Denny's for a, a ton of metagaming. I know that they do a lot of like um, LARPing, like they used to do the Succubus Club in uh, New Orleans around Halloween. And they also do um, a ton of LARPing uh, for World of Darkness in Europe. And I know that part of the Kickstarter, some of it was like you could buy tickets to the big, uh, I think it was called the Solarium, uh, which is a big LARPing event. 
I don't know if you guys ever have the opportunity to participate in a LARP, especially when it comes to Vampire the Masquerade or other World of Darkness events, I highly recommend it. Uh, Nolan, I think you have some friends in Texas that have done a little bit of vampire LARPing, right? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Or at least goes to every now and then when they have a convention or something. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And and just seeing the people dressed up and stuff is so much fun. So highly recommend. Uh, PAX to Unplugged has announced that it is returning this December to Philadelphia. The convention, much like Gen Con did, will require attendees to wear a mask and there will be safety ambassadors enforcing this requirement. So far, companies like our Talsorian Games, uh, Cephalofair, creators of Gloomhaven and later games have announced that they will have a booth at this event. Uh, I would imagine as they get closer, we'll be seeing all sorts of big names attending because I know people are anxious to get back to that. I have to wonder if a uh, former host of the show, Kofi will be attending this. I know he likes to go to PAX Unplugged. Yeah. Hopefully he can. Yeah, I, I, I really hope he can. So, um, okay. So <laughs> we're running out of time here. I should rename this as the uh, critical role episode. <laughs> Our topic this week is a, taking a look at the new UA from WOTC that was released this week. Typically, we just do a quick overview of the um, UA. Nolan does a great job diving into it and telling us all about it. Uh, but we thought this would be a great topic this week. So let's take a look at Travelers of the Multiverse. And as we do, kicking us off is Nolan. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, if I don't see Spelljammer as the March book, um, I will be surprised at this point because I think this is pretty much Space Jammer. So there you go. People will finally be happy with that there. Uh, Travelers of the Multiverse gives us a collection of races to play at your table that happen to be good at just that, traveling the multiverse. In this UA, you get the Astral Elf, basically elves who decided to uh, leave the Feywild and go to the Astral Plane to be closer to their god. It's been a little too much time there and now are warped by living there so they get to live for thousands of years instead of hundreds which is kind of interesting there is the auto gnome a mechanical gnome gifted with free will a gif which is a hippo-headed being of impressive size hadorzi a highly adaptive simian being who use wing-like membranes to glide so i think these are the monkeys from wizard of oz plasmoid an amoeba-like being and the thrykeen a six-limb telegraph telepathic insectoid so again most of the creatures in this here are long-lived um, for whatever multiverse traveling you need a long life i don't know if it takes a while to get there i never did play spell jammer so i imagine we will get a little bit more of that i i'm curious to see somebody play a uh, hippo style uh, <laughs> character um the I think, they, uh, I think these could be in uh Morton Caden's new book. That's what I was yeah. wondering too. They might be in this one, so yeah. I guess if um, it is the, the guide to the multiverse, it could be in there. Uh I I'm if anything, I'm more curious to see where the next like you know the adventure league goes, the next uh the next campaign story and what the reason or why, right? What's the adventure hook of going from water deep to uh traveling the multiverse so so here's here's an interesting little thing for you factoid if you will thrycreens are from dark sun okay oh okay so maybe they are those setting are, up multiples those are the only ones where i was like that might be cool to play okay i i do like that uh on this one here your creature type is monstrosity so seeing mm -hmm. some of these different creature types come in, uh, we saw humanoid, humanoid, and I believe the auto gnome was a construct. So does that mean you can mend yourself as mending your heal cantrip? If you cast mending on yourself, you get to roll a hit die. Okay, that's how they did it. And okay. they, they are affected by cure wounds oh, uh, and um, healing word, but not the other healing spells. It's needed google auto gnomes real quick and look okay. at these pictures <laughs> yeah no i think you're right nolan I, we are definitely seeing a way to travel to different realms here because auto gnomes and uh Hedozi are from Spelljammer. yeah i like the Hendozi. yeah they I, actually look really cool they look really cool i think these are um <laughs> like i think this is the first time i've seen like new species new like races for the game and then like like you can't allow these in your game 
unless you're the playing awesome. in the space. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh and, and here's what I will say about this as well. Um, I don't. Like, could you I, imagine if your like DM is like, okay, yeah, you guys all meet in the tavern. The party introduce yourself. Like, oh, I'm a half orc barbarian. Like, I'm a human fighter named John. And it's like awesome. What are you playing? I'm a blob. I'm an amorphous blob. Like, you know, we're playing Greyhawk, but like, you said anything. I'm just a blob. I'm a slime. And another person showed up in from outer and space. Then, yeah, and then your right. fourth party member comes in. It's a four-armed insect. What? Yep. What's this, Space Ghost? Yeah. Oh my like, gosh. You're right? Did you read the plasmoid yeah. traits? It's like... Creature type, you are an ooze. Yep, you're an ooze. Well, and again, I think this is, I, I will say that I like background stories, everything about it, I think is a little more built into some of the stuff. Again, a dwarf getting additional hit die and proficiency in heavy, heavy armor is eh. Being able to hold your breath for an hour, I think, can come up. Natural resilience, well, I am an ooze. This will come up. I can shape change. This will come up. Your, your, your race now gives it a really cool opportunity to do something cool that tells a story versus like, well, yeah, I move fast in plate mail. Like that's, that's pretty mellow. Um, I think they should have added doppelgangers in here. I'm sure. It'll come <laughs> like, I mean, if they're going to make you play, if you have like a one in 11 chance of having to play one, when you play a uh, frost maiden as Zach was playing, like yeah. these are no different. Honestly, I honestly think that some of these are a little weak. And I think some of them don't make a lot of sense. Like when I was reading about the GIF, it's like a hippo person, but they're most widely like known for their musket use. Which whether or not you want firearms in your medievalism game, like that's a different conversation. But like if they're famous for being marksmen, shouldn't their species ability kind of reinforce that? Did you have you looked up the picture of the gifts real quick? Oh yeah, they're very yeah. funny. They they look freaking awesome. They they look like the the explorers that hit the Amazon, right? Like, yeah. have you guys? And I'm going to completely date myself. Have you guys ever watched the movie Ice Pirates? No, I have not. Okay, I don't know if you should or not, but it's a very old, probably cult classic uh, sci-fi, and it just screams Spelljammer. Okay. It came so, out the year I was born, so it's not a big deal. But. Oh, shut up. I, yeah, again, I think I think it's a, a nice way to go into that. I have a hard time seeing myself play any of these just from a standpoint of it's 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 super weird, and I would need to see the campaign of where I am, you know, a clockwork yeah. gnome uh, doing doing stuff. Uh, not not anything negative against them being a you know no. an insectoid with a couple pairs of arms. I just think like. <laughs> For a game which is pretty infamous for having a bunch of tieflings be very very popular characters and then have people be like it's too it's too unique it's too dramatic it's too exotic you should all be playing humans it's like we can just there's now you can one up them it's like i'm a sea elf oh well i'm a space elf you went down i went out i wouldn't yeah like if i was running a game unless it was a game set in whatever Spelljammer, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let these in the game. And I think it is like, one of those. Sorry, guys, like we're in the Forgotten Realms. There just aren't three keen. Yeah, and I think it is one of those. Depending on your table, depending on what's going on, you better have a pretty awesome story of why you know Auto Gnome is is going around. You know that you better be something neat to all of a sudden be there. Um, again seeing a planet ran by them, you know, I wasn't super into the frog people of Cholt until you see a tribe of them. And then you're like, okay, they're all right. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. just one of those things of less. So uh, this year, you know, somebody joins the campaign late or whatever and wants to be relevant in the game. Like, well, I'm just going to come with you guys. And you're like, are you sure you're forearmed insect, dude, you want to go back to water deep? It's going to be weird Waterdeep. for you. Like, okay. It's going to like you. It's cool. Wear a cloak. Uh, bring mittens and, and snows <laughs> like i don't know so i, I like it i like to see where it's going um i don't know see what book they come out in right now not necessarily nothing here to say i'm i'm excited for the next book um so i i do think power wise there's some 
there's a dearth. Like you look at like what some of them can do. Like the auto gnome has a ton of stuff that they can do. Mm-hmm. A three king has a ton of stuff that they can do, including being able to hold in their le- their lower arms. They can hold weapons as long as the weapons are light. I mean, you could have a ranger three king that uses a great sword and then two hand axes, and it's just that's a lot of damage that they would be able to do. And then you've got uh, the Hadozi, and they can use their reaction to take no damage from a fall. Like, one of those might come up, but another one comes up every time you decide to use your lower arms. You know, the Astral Elf has a ton of stuff, and then the Gif have advantage on strength checks. Right. Like, that's kind of cool, I guess. They can reroll ones when they make a melee damage roll, but, like, what if you decide, like, yeah, I'd like to play a wizard? It's like, well, I guess you're just screwed. Like, why even be a hippo? Yeah, I would I would be curious to see the uh, point by system you go into giving creature stuff. Remember, what was it, 3.5, that if you were a drow and you started with magic and you had these natural abilities and you had all this stuff, you leveled slower. Like you had an experience penalty for being just innately stronger. Um, and so yeah, I, I, I am curious of... to see where like, again, like you said, <laughs> hey, here's this versus this. Who designed which? And did you run out of time on this guy? Because he only has two abilities and this guy's got six. So Yeah. And I, think, I, I also think that I think some species and some races were developed in base 5th edition under the assumption that you would use them to play certain things. Um, yeah, because see and, if that gets reworked in 5.5. Again, and I think half-elf. some were just, yeah, I think some were just like, yeah, you could use these to play anything. And I feel like the you could use these to play anything and the you can use these to play a dwarf cleric come with huge discrepancies in, in like ability. Like a lizard folk is objectively probably the best thing you can play as with everything that they get. They get a ton of stuff. And then you've got a gif and it can hit hard, maybe. What if you roll a two on every single damage roll? You may as well not play a GIF. You may as well just play literally no species. Yeah, you better really enjoy being a hippo. Yeah, you better really want to be a hippo. Finally hit that jam of being a hippo. Like, if this thing is... If you're going to pay a GIF and you don't play a fighter, there was no point to playing. Agreed. Especially since, you know, when GIFs were first created, they were like totally anti-magic in fact there were no magic users in the gif race uh, they tolerated know, cool. ma- yeah they tolerated magic only through because of spell jamming they wanted to be able to travel right and so that is absolutely how we see them end up in other realms via the multiverse travel of spell jammer which is what i mean i remember when i was first played dnd that's kind of how you got to other realms was via spell jammer like I had this creature in Forgotten Realms. I wanted to play it in Dark Sun. Don't do that, by the way. And you get there via Spelljammer. Yeah, creatures from Forgotten Realms going into Dark Sun were too weak. Dark Sun was so brutal that your characters had to, Yeah, they were. It was an interesting character creation process. So I was just reading up on the gifts real quick. Uh, some interesting things about them is like they always keep their promise. They are. Right. They do not like magic but they do enjoy traveling. They do not want an empire, but they do enjoy traveling. They have no love of money. You could pay them in food and they would be very happy. Uh, (laughs) Typical GIF has a great love of weapons, especially firearms and explosives, (laughs) which I just think is hilarious, favoring the biggest explosions the most. And GIFs would often keep a collection of pole arms from the various worlds that they visit. So, I mean, this is I, straight up a fighter race. This is what they do. They fight. Yeah. They I, eat. Any, I just feel like they could have done more to, like, tie that in than just, like, you have, like you're big. You have advantage on strength yeah. checks. Like, let them, as a reaction, re-roll a missed um, melee or ranged weapon attack. Like, yeah. proficiency per long rest. Well, and again, like, that's if a, that's, that's their jam... Like, that's a big power boost, but, like, that's no more or less powerful than the Hexblood right. from well, Van Richten's. 
I think if, uh, again, if you look at that stuff, originally they had their, they had some natural resistances to magic based in, um, mm. again, and then like with the firearm stuff, why aren't they naturally proficient in firearms? What if you built it around that thing of they ignored some reloading properties or something like that, a proficiency, you know what I mean? Like there's some things that were, there's flavor to be had more so than, cause you don't get any of that if you look at their abilities you don't get yeah. any of the firearm you don't get any of the travel you don't get um any of the explosives you don't you know all those things are not in here it looks like uh, a, a super weak goliath it's just yeah. a big dude you know what let them and that doesn't ignore, come through in abilities let them ignore the loading property of weapons so it's like if there's no if there's no firearms then you get a crossbow and like you get to use a heavy crossbow, you don't have to take crossbow expert. Plus, like it's super more thematic to be this giant seven foot big guy that prefers to be ranged marksman versus just yeah. another seven foot tall tough guy. Like it gives him a personality. Yeah, like I think this is not just the gif complaint. The ooze is also bad, but I feel like there's just a wide like dearth. And I hope that this gets play tested out of people being yeah. able to point out like, hey, man, like I may as well just do the create a lineage thing, pick a bunch of skills. And yeah, then say that I'm a hippo dude rather than play with this nonsense, I can at least just take a feat with the create your own lineage, take crossbow expert. I just made a better gif. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's and hopefully they follow that. I, I know they're usually pretty good about doing their surveys um, and looking at that stuff. And when they see that zero people played this guy uh, because there was no flavor and there is nothing cool about him. <laughs> hopefully they'll yeah. give them a couple of things. I mean, again, if you look at the list, they almost have, you know, a paragraph. They've got three paragraphs and about two other abilities in comparisons to almost, you know, half a page half a slip on auto gnomes you know so this reminds me of the gith yankee yep. and the gith sarai in uh morgan Kane's tome of foes where it's like you can tell that the designers put them in because a bunch of people were like why can't we play as gith but it was also pretty clear that the designers didn't want to spend any time on the gith they wanted to spend time on elves and dwarves I think whomever created the Thrykreen and the GIF, or whatever they are, and I mean, yeah, GIF, and in anything else was probably on fucking acid when they did it. Walking through a zoo going, dude, a humanoid with a hippo head. Let's do it. Like, what let's if? do it, man. What if they used guns like i was here for it already but now even more now they're using guns oh my god <laughs> it, it, oh, the art of it reminds me of the uh the hunter from jumanji that comes through if that would have been so robin boring. williams running from a giant hippo with a musket that would have been the top five greatest movies of all time that's awesome. So now I know that that's how I would build one. It would it would be the hunter from have a monocle and everything and yep. Well, I'm going to go get a picture of a gif and throw it in the show notes so people can see it. They're cool looking. I just they should just be yeah. better. Need some love. Need some love. Yep. Yeah. Especially when you do got some good stuff coming out. So again, anything else for this UA before we wrap up for the week? I don't think so. It's nice to see some more playable monsters. Again, they are pretty selective of where you're going to see them. And uh, that's that makes it a tough thing, right? I think if you look at there and you're like, well, I have no desire to go to Spelljammer. Am I going to skip this book? Or is this going to be another opportunity to, again, tell your players no? And that's almost one of the worst things to do when you get somebody coming creative to your table and be like, it just doesn't make sense. Or now I've got to write in this story, you know? So. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see the bad guys that come around these guys as well. What does yeah. a marksman hippo hunt? That's what I want to see. Good on you, old boy. You know, whatever. <laughs> can't wait. I don't think it looks terrible. I would probably play a gift just for the hell of it. Yeah, for a one shot. I don't want to spend my life as a hippo. 
I can't role play that forever. I I don't I think they're great. I love them. I just wish that uh some more fluff. The the crunch was as good as the fluff. Yeah. I tell you what, I would rather spend a long time playing a gift than a thrycreen. I just I don't know. Yeah. Playing an insectoid, I'm just like, nah, no thanks. Well, I think yeah, that's I you don't want to be psychic insect general grievous. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Because that's what I want to be. I mean, maybe <laughs> now I do, too. <laughs> now that you threw Star Wars into this shit. Now I can see it. All right. Well, that is our show for this week, everybody. As usual, we absolutely appreciate everybody who tunes in and listens to us every week. Uh, our show is growing, guys, and I don't know what we've done to do that. And I'm super thrilled about it because we're just picking up a whole lot of new listeners from all over the world, especially Canada. Canada, thank you so much for listening. You really showed up on the map this week. And, I, you know, I'm just, again, very appreciative of everybody who tunes in and gives us a listen, listens to us ramble about, well, nonsense. So, but that is going to be our show for this week. We will see you next time. Oh, by the Hi, way, everyone. by the way, by the way, oh, by the way. Hold up. Oh, by the way, by the way. Again, I know we put this on podcast, but again, we also go live Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Mountain Time because we are in the middle of Wyoming. So again, if it is in your time or realm and you want to see us ramble live, uh, we are on Twitch, 307 RPG. Yep, and we change sure your, are. And change your Twitch passwords. And we're changing and, the password. And changing <laughs> your passwords. That's that's what I got for the thing. Thanks for listening, everybody.